uh, Proverbs 22, get this one. Don't take it on yourself to repay a wrong. Trust the Lord and he will make it right. Good one. Good one. So anyway, so today we're going to wrap up our series, Bless This Home. And uh, we spent the first four weeks looking at Beatitudes. Uh, We talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We talked about blessed are the pure in heart. We talked about blessed are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. It's a completely big difference. We talked about being blessed for uh, for those who who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And then last week we talked about putting God first. Today we're going to talk about sowing and reaping. And uh, so I want to start right off with this really cool um, story that comes out of the the gospel. And I'm using um, Luke chapter 9. And this is the story where Jesus feeds 5,000, it says men, 5,000 people using just a couple of fish and five loaves. And it's a great story. Um, so we're going to pick this up in, uh, in, in Luke 9, starting in verse 10 through 17. And I'll cut it up on the wall in case you didn't have your Bible with you. I encourage you to have your Bible with you. That way you can check me out and make sure that I'm not making stuff up. I would never make things up, but you should be able to do that. Not just when you come to church, but if you are a student of the Word of God, when you are out there and you hear things, you'll be able to tell whether people are making things up. So it's to your benefit. Anyway, so here we go, verse 10. Now, what preceded this was Jesus had just empowered the the apostles and said, hey, go out there and minister to people. Go out and heal people. Just go do some stuff. And so they had just gone scattering around the countryside, and they were doing miracles and, and, and doing things. And then they came back together, and so here's Jesus. He says, and the apostles, when they had returned, told him all they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city of Bethsaida. When the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and they received them and spoke to and, he, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. When the day began to wear away, that's scripture speak for the fact that Jesus started a sermon, and it went on and on and on and on. Okay, so the day began to wear away, and I think the crowd didn't leave because not only were the words life, but he was people were getting healed. It was an event. Okay, lots going on there. When the day began to wear away, now the staff. This is the staff complaining to the king now, okay? Um, I, 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 I'm a former long-term church staff member, and I shouldn't put it in those terms, but it's so cynical. Um, the 12 came to him and said, send the multi- multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. Jesus says, hmm, so your concern is for the people, huh? You care about the people, okay. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. Now, I I read that and I chuckle because I attach to it my cynicism. Why don't you give them something to eat? You know, I don't think Jesus said it like that. I'm not sure how he said it. But they come and say, hey, Lord, we've got to stop this service and send the people because there's no food here. And, um, you know, our heart is to take care of these people. And he says, oh, really? Okay, well, why don't you feed them? Why don't you give them something? Because what's going on here is good. (laughs) I don't know if that's what's, what's going on, but it's possible, right? Okay. Why don't you go give them something to eat? And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. Now, in the Gospel of John, which tells, this same, tells about this same story, that one gives some other details, and, in, 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 and it mentions this. They say, they say, we have this lad here, a lad, who has um, whatever a lad is. I mean, I, I, you know, I learned that on, you know, Lassie. The first time I heard the word lad. Anyway, so, um, you know, the, the, we have this lad here, and um, he's got five barley loaves, 
and two fishes. Now, the fishes would have been small, dried fish. Maybe you would call it an anchovy. But these are itty-bitty fish and five barley loaves, which is like, if you went to the store, you know, the bakery to get yourself some bread, barley loaves would be back in the corner on the discount rack because that was like, the, that was, barley was what you fed to animals, okay? So, I mean, you, humans can eat it too, but this was, this was discount. By the way, I'm thinking, this is completely a rabbit trail, but I'm thinking, way to go, mom. 5,000 people are there. It's actually more than that. We'll talk about that. But 5,000 people are there, and one mother made sure her boy had a lunch packed for the day. <laughs> you, you catch that? Yeah. Give honor where honor is due. There's a mom somewhere here who's made plans for her little guy. And so this little guy's got hardly any food with him, and that's it, this great big crowd. And um, I, I'm thinking about this little boy. First off, so you know where the story's going to go. They're going to they're use this food, and it's going to become this great big miracle. But I'm thinking, um, okay, so how, what was that transaction? Because the, the Gospels don't tell us a lot of details. Did they, like, surround the kid and say, hey, hand over the barley loaves and no one will get hurt? Or did they say, hey, can we have them? Or was there an interaction between the boy and Jesus? It, it's just not recorded in there. And if I think about what I could guess might have happened, I start thinking things like, what's Jesus' character? He probably locked eyes with this boy and something of faith rose up in him and the boy thought, okay, because he was childlike in his faith and the king might have been saying, hey, can we do something here? I think you'll like what happens if you trust me. And the little boy thinking, okay, you know, I'm guessing that might be what happened, but that's just my opinion. It's just a guess. I mean, I think it's possible. Anyway, okay, so verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men Then he said to his disciples, that doesn't, by the way, count wives and children. A good estimate was somewhere between 15 and 25,000 people. This is probably the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to. Because their tradition was to count just the men. So it's families, 5,000 families. Some of them might have been single, some of them might have big families. Um, Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Now, just as another rabbit trail note, for those of you who are administrative and like things done nightly, nicely and neatly, here's Jesus being administrative. Put him in groups of 50, line them up, we'll see him. And, I mean, I, did you catch that? Okay, so there's some organization. And they did so and made them all sit down. Verse 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Wow. That's it. I would like to have seen how that worked. We'll talk about that in a minute. Last week, uh, we talked about um, if you give, you give the first to God so that the rest can be blessed. We talked about that, and uh, I encourage you, if you weren't here, even though it's about money, get the message, because it will, it will help you find your way into the Lord's blessing. It's part of blessing. But anyway, there's, this isn't clear in this, this miracle how it actually unfolded. The details are, are just not there. None of the four gospel writers have given us the, 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 the blow-by-blow, the play-by-play of how this actually unfolded. By the way, here's some trivia for you. You can win a trivia contest sometime. There are only two miracles that are given in all four of the gospels. Only two miracles. This one and the resurrection. So there's a good trivia. You can win the trivia award. Did you catch, catch that? So of the four gospels, only two. Anyway, so this is one of them. 
rabbit trail, I know, worthless. Okay, so, so, okay, so there's two theories about how this miracle actually played out. Okay, I'm going to give them to you. The first one is that Jesus blessed it and broke the bread. And as these disciples came to him, that something was happening in those moments where he, he kind of like, um, you know, the, Elijah was filling the oil jars that it just kept pouring out. That as, as they came up, that Jesus just came in and the, and the bread just never quit going in. Some people, that's one of the two theories. The other theory is that Jesus broke it and gave it to the 12 disciples and they took it out. And as they gave it away, it multiplied. Do you get the distinction? So, some, some people believe it happened as Jesus gave it away to the disciples. Other people think that it, it happened as the disciples gave it away to the people. And it's not clear. I do have an opinion. Um, I, I have a tendency to think that it happened as the disciples gave it away for a couple of reasons. They're just, this is just an opinion. One is that they had just been off all over the countryside performing miracles on behalf of the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit. And this would have just been another one for them. But later it says that they gathered up the unused fragments. That, that, that references the, the bread that was broken but not handed out. They didn't go and gather it from 5,000 people. Here's a crumb, here's a crumb, and they got 12 baskets. It was like they had 12 baskets full that did not get handed out. Anyway, we can't really know what happened, which of those two. But we do know something um, about this, and we can learn some principles of multiplication. So the first one is this. We do know. The miracle happened after the bread was blessed for certain. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Think about it. What if they had taken these fish and these loaves and given it away without Jesus blessing it? I I think it would never have multiplied. The reason it multiplied was because Jesus blessed it. Hebrews 7 teaches something along those lines. I I think it's it's a cool... um, if you read the, the, the whole chapter, you'll see in there that there's a teaching, basically, that, that Jesus himself, when we tithe, Jesus himself receives that tithe and blesses it and then multiplies it. He blesses it. It's the same, same kind of thing that's going on here with these fish and these loaves. And I, I, no matter how small it is, think about this little boy and the amount of food and 20,000 people. Do you know how many hot dogs the Seahawks sell at a game? I mean, it's an astronomical number. Um, there are some people here who um, serve hot dogs at the Olympic High School games, and I don't know how many they go through. Is anybody here that is on that team? I mean, they go through a gob of hot how, how many hot dogs they do on a typical game? Do you know? Huh? Marlene, you know. How many hot dogs? It, a hundred, just for a local high school. How many? Okay. But that doesn't count nachos, popcorn, candy bars, red vines. Anybody here hungry besides me? So, I mean, I mean this is five little loaves and two little fish for 20,000 people. 20,000. And this has gone on all day. They didn't, have, they didn't have lunch. It's dinner time. I mean, they're hungry. They're ready for some food. And they eat everything that's given to them. And there's still leftovers. This little boy's gift is minuscule. This minuscule. It's tiny. This, I love that picture, though, that it doesn't matter the size of the gift. It's the size of the miracle that's going to happen there that, that takes place. Anyway, I, I believe that without that blessing of Jesus, it can never multiply. And um, so that's the first principle. And um, the second principle is this. It has to be given away to multiply. It has to be given away to multiply. What if the disciples took this 
bread and fish to Jesus. He blessed it, and then they ate it. It'd be gone. It would have never multiplied. They had to give it away. There are people who tithe. They give the first to God, but they never, ever get to the place where they give over and above the tithe. They, they, it's blessed because they gave the first to God, but they don't give over and above, so it never multiplies. I know people that want their finances to multiply, but they don't give the first to God. They, they'll give a little bit here or they'll give a little bit there. And if you were here last week, you learned about how God feels about not being put first. God just won't accept being tipped. Don't tip God. I mean, he just, it just doesn't work with him. He says, there will be no other gods before me. Even from the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, God was teaching stewardship, and he taught that something is mine. Honor what's mine. And, um, and so, so we've talked about that. And I, there was a, their, their finances have this potential to multiply, but they just don't because they never, ever plant the seed. They never get to it. And there was, a, there was a time when God was speaking this to Terry and Lisa personally, and I don't know if I've, I may have told you this. I don't know if I have. I don't think I've told it here. I've told it to leadership team. But um, there was a time that uh, I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And he said, you know, I want you to begin to give. I said, well, God, I do. I give you 10%. And I, I don't play any games. I'm not giving you 10% of the net. I don't worry about the, t- I mean, 10% of my paycheck before, before I'm, the first before. I, I give that to you. And God says, no, that's, that's not giving. You're returning something that wasn't yours in the first place. That already belongs to me. That's not really giving. No, I want you to give something that is yours. So you got to go beyond. This is the Lord speaking to me. And I think that's what the word teaches. And so here's what Lisa and I did. You know, At the time... We were um, both working. We were newly married, and I was being paid one hundred and sixty-five fifty a week, and she was making something in the neighborhood of just about four hundred dollars a month. So between the two of us, we were making around nine hundred, roughly, a month. So our our, our tithe check was ninety dollars. You can do the math, right? Ten percent. And the Lord said, "I want you to give." So we were kind of, you know, fist to mouth living, you know, you know, paycheck to paycheck, and trying to. Um, start out with life and, you know, all that kind of stuff, no money. And, and we thought it was a big deal when we took out a credit with Sears so we could buy a tent for $70. <laughs> Here we go. Got our credit line established. Let's buy a tent at Sears. So anyway, so the Lord says, I want you to give. So we talked this through and we decided that what the Lord was asking us to do, we were going to give an offering beyond our tithe of $50 a month. That's a lot. It's a lot today, and it was a lot back then. We did that probably for, it was probably faithfully for a couple of years, and there was a time where my employer came to me and said, I'm going to give you a raise. Not really quite sure why we're doing this, but somewhere it's been decided. And we were given a raise of, I was given a raise of $500 a month. Okay, you get the size of that. I'm not making this up. It's an amazing thing that I can't promise you you give $50. The Lord's going to give you 10 times that. But we got this raise, and it was like, oh, wow, how cool. So we, of course, ratcheted up our tithes, and the Lord said, I want you to keep giving over and above. So, okay, we'll keep doing that. And we continued to give over and above $50 a month. A year later, 
This is no joke. A year later, employer came and said, don't know why we're doing this again, but we're going to give you another raise, another $500. And in that short period of time, my, my finances way multiplied. And this is just my experience. I'm not, I'm not telling you that this is doctrine. I'm telling you that the Lord does teach th- to give the offering and that he will multiply when you do it. And, um, and so, so he says that to us. And other things, here's something else he said to us. It's not so much connected to today's message, but he, one time he says to us, I want you to get out of debt because you can't give what you don't own. And if I was owing people money, I, it wasn't mine, it was somebody else's, and so different subjects. So, so we started giving over and above, and God would speak to us about something and we would give, and then he would talk to us about something else and we would give. And I'm not going to give you all of my resume of giving, but I can tell you that there were times that the Lord told us to give and the numbers were quite a lot larger than that, and sometimes they were tangible things that would, you know... Four, wheel, four wheels and motors, those kinds of things. The Lord would do those kinds of things. And I look back at that now, and I think, we're talking about it here in the context of money. I don't think it had very much to do with money to God. I really don't. I look back at that, and I think, God was doing something to build our faith because he knew today what our tomorrows were going to be. He knew what kinds of testing would come. He knew what kinds of storms. He was taking our boat and pointing our bow into the wind so that when those waves came, we didn't tip over and capsize and sink because our hearts weren't ready. I think this had so much to do with getting us to the place where our faith would carry us through the storms of our tomorrows. And everybody has storms. Everybody does. So back to the 5,000. So after this big, huge miraculous giant banquet where all these people get fed, Jesus and the disciples move and they go across the lake. Sounds like a singing group, doesn't it? And, on, and, and so they get across and they, they get in some boats and they go across and the next morning the, all of the crowd realizes, hey, where, where, um, where'd Jesus go? And they figured out, oh, they're across the lake. So they jump in boats and they go chasing over there. And they finally catch up to Jesus and they start asking him some questions and they're having this conversa- conversation. And here's what Jesus says to them in, you catch this in John 6, 26. He, he's, he answered, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. I filled your stomachs for free. <laughs> this is the message version, which is kind of fun and blunt sometimes. But he says, basically, you came over here because of what you could get from me, not because you care about the fact that you saw God doing something. And unfortunately, that's pretty common. I mean, it's so easy for me, for Terry, to get my focus on my tummy or my nest. And I think many times, most times, maybe all times, the Lord is trying to get me to lock eyes with him. He's just trying to get my focus off of all this stuff and put it onto something of faith and trust. He's trying to get me to lock eyes. Second Chronicles 1 tells a story about when King Solomon became... Um, inaugurated as the king of Israel. The tradition at the time was for a king to sacrifice a bull in worship to the Lord. And uh, what Solomon did, the story tells us that he sacrificed a thousand bulls. There was also ewes. And goes. So it's a big deal. And here's what God said to him. Scripture says on that, that night, God says to him, hey Saul, what do you want? Name it. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. But he said, what do you want? And I think, wow, you know, Solomon ends up asking for wisdom. 
I was so proud of him when I read that in the scripture. I was like, good choice, you know, you know, and, and God honors that. <clears throat> and I, I think, you know, God would never make that statement to a person who is selfish. Because a selfish person would just, you know, he can't trust selfish people with that kind of a question. And the reason is that they would just eat the blessings themselves. That's, that'd be my first. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could be trusted with that kind of gesture. I would love for God to say that to me. I'm not there yet. He hasn't said it to me. Maybe he said it to you and you handle it right. and it, Great. But, um, you know, so, so if we're talking about this, I want to share with you now one thing that I love and one thing that I hate. Okay. I love train horns. That wasn't on the list. Um, I mean, (laughs) I love that one. Every little boy loves a train, don't we? Don't we, guys? So um, I love talking about generosity. And I don't just mean money. I mean showing mercy, giving quarter, you know, Charity. I love talking about that. And it's probably because, you know, to be real transparent with you, for a lot of years, I wasn't a very generous person. I mean, I was jolted one time. Um, my mom and dad were having a garage sale. And, um, and I thought, you know, why? <clears throat> They're just getting rid of stuff, I suppose, cleaning out the attic kind of a thing. And um, you might not remember this, but mom, you said to me, oh, dad's all excited. Why? Oh, because he's given the money to God, all of it, whatever he sells. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? This wasn't that long ago, by the way. I mean, I mean, it was it was a while ago, but I mean, it 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 just challenged my heart. My father father was a hilarious giver. He loved generously to give away, and um, and it jolted me thinking I need to be more generous. I need to be more like my father, my earthly father, as well as my heavenly father. And 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 over time, because I, I, at times I would be kind of penny pitching, you know, I would go to the restaurant and I would calculate what is ten percent or twelve percent, you know, and if they were too slow in refilling my diet, whatever, um, might be down to. I mean, I was just penny pincher, and and, and the Lord did a work in my heart. I know the Lord confronted me about, about restaurants. You know, these people, this is part of their salary. They're not taking advantage of you. They're serving you with kindness. Maybe it's their job, but you can decide whether you want to be a blessing here or be a pill. And I started thinking, you know what? He's, that's right, God. You're right. These are your kids. And now I try to take time and ask their name, look them in the eye, have a conversation with them. I don't monopolize their time. They got somebody else besides me to care for. But I try to be generous with my tip, even if they've made mistakes. I'll talk about that in a minute or two about why. But I mean, I mean, God does work. The, the problem is, and, and so generosity is one of my favorite things. But the problem that I hate is, I hate the way generosity gets discussed sometimes in Christian circles. I just hate it. I mean, you know, especially as it applies to two words that we're going to spend the rest of our time on, sowing and reaping. I mean, I mean, um, I know I have talked about sowing and reaping before in different messages, and we've talked about how, um, you know, if you, if you sow seeds of, of righteousness, you'll reap righteousness and, um, as it applies to living. But I've never really talked about sowing and reaping when it comes to money because, you know, I hate the manipulation that I see that goes with it in the church. I don't mean all churches all the time, but you have probably seen it somewhere before too. That's why, you know, most of us are gun shy about a message on money. I mean, you, you surf the TV channels 
and all of a sudden you hit on this guy with his great big funny hairdo and um, <clears throat> this is a character type this is not anybody specific and they're wearing a really really shiny silk Italian suit and they've got a gold bracelet watch that doesn't fit and it jangles around I mean, and they say <clears throat> if you sow your seed ah, if you plant your thousand dollar seed ah, you will rip Reap a reward. I mean, I mean, I think that. I think, I'm, and I'm thinking, give me something to throw at the TV. I hate that. I hate it when they say, you know, and if you send it today, we've prayed over this lighting light switch, which has the Holy Spirit's anointing. I mean, I hate that. I hate that kind of stuff. It's not. It's not Bible. It's not the, the heart of the Lord. And so I just hate the manipulation. Principle. The, the manipulation, notwithstanding. There are principles of sowing and reaping that are very, very biblical. And in fact, they even apply in all of nature. So today, I'm going to just spend a couple of minutes and conclude our series on Bless This Home talking about sowing and reaping. Here's the first principle about sowing and reaping. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. That's the first principle of sowing and reaping. If you keep something, that's all you're ever going to have. But if you take what you have and if you give it, if you, if you treat it like seed and plant it in good soil, God can multiply it. That's what Jesus said in Luke six thirty eight. He says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, this is my favorite part. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I love that part. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This isn't just money, but it includes your giving to the, to the Lord. But, but, you know, for the same measure. And I love that because you get to pick today what's going to happen to you in the future when you need mercy. You, get, you catch that? With the same measure you're measured out. So, so somebody wounds and offends you and you're hurt and you have to decide. Off with their head, or mercy and grace. You're picking those things. And you decide, okay, I get it. It's going to be mercy and grace. And you think, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to give this out to this person, this mercy and grace. Where's my eyedropper? <laughs> Here comes your drip. Don't miss it. That's one choice. And then if you choose that, somewhere down the road, when you deserve, don't deserve it, but you're getting mercy and grace, you should expect your drop. Because the same, this says the same way you measure it out, that's how it's going to come back to you. I think about this and I think, I don't want, I want to give it out by the drop full now, but when it comes to me, I'd like you to hook up a fire hose to a hydrant of mercy and hose me down good, right? That's the choice we get to make. I love this scripture. You get to decide in the future when you need mercy or grace, what kind of quantity do you want it in? Man. When this scripture really got into my soul, I started thinking, anytime I'm handing out mercy and grace, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think, don't always do this, I don't always succeed, but I'm trying to think, okay, what do I want when the tables are turned? And that's what I try to do. Mercy and grace or whatever. So what about forgiveness when you mess up in the future? What about tipping at the restaurant when someone is deciding to bless you? What... What about when the Holy Spirit whispers something to your soul, even if it's something as simple as slow down for a minute and listen because I'm going to lead you. Um, how do I want to measure that? Because Jesus is saying that what you give, God will multiply. 
when you give, it will be given to you. When you give, it will be given to you. That's what he's saying. There, now, these people, their context here was agricultural society. They, um, many of them made their living off of what they could grow. So, you know, for example, as the wheat harvest was finishing, the, 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 the landowners would often buy, or they would hire day laborers to come out and help them harvest the wheat. So they have their big old basket, and they might be a big, huge field, and they would go around, and all day long, their job was to collect the the grain and fill up the basket and walk across the, you know, carry it to wherever and dump it off and go back. And so, you know, it's a long day and it's in the heat. And, you know, so people would typically maybe fill the baskets half full or three quarters full to manage it and to pace themselves throughout the day, right? Okay. And, but a generous owner might say at the end of the day or at the end of the week or whatever, he might say, hey, last one is yours. Now you're going to fill the basket again. What would you do? If you were me, you would forget what you'd been doing and you would fill that thing up. <clears throat> They'd start spilling over on the side. So you start shaking it so that it could kind of settle down and get f- more full. And then you might keep pouring it and it's heaped up and it might be spilling. Now, now that's the one I'm going to take home, right? Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Have you ever seen a kid at Costco on the 150 special? You know, you get a hot dog and a soda. Have you ever seen a kid at the soda rack? Okay, here's how it works. You, you, no ice. Stick it in there. Full of the top. Straw. <laughs> stick it back in there. Fill it some more. I mean, right? Even though refills are free. <laughs> or they do what's called a graveyard. <laughs> you ever do a graveyard? It's horrible. But you do it because you can. You can't do that at home. You can't open six cans of soda and mix them. Your mom will go, what are you doing? Anyway. So that's, that's the deal. On the last day, God says, you know, that's how God gives to you when you give to other people. That's what that scripture is telling you. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. One reason that this teaching gets distorted so easily in the church is a very common teaching called the prosperity gospel. And I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but if you've been around the church before, you may have seen this, or maybe even you haven't been in the church. And I believe it's, it's, it's a distorted teaching. I believe it's, it's not scriptural. Um, the, the, the teaching basically suggests that if you, if, if you, if you give and if you have enough faith then God has to make you rich monetarily. If you do that, God has to eventually give you a Rolls Royce. I mean, I'm way overstating it, but not by much. Okay, there's a gospel, that, that, you know, this, this teaching, and, and uh, this, this is not biblical, you know, because it, 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 and even so, it doesn't discount the truth that when you give, God does multiply. There's a flip side to that teaching. It's called the, the, the poverty gospel. It basically says that if you have things, that's unrighteous. The truth is, it's not what you have that makes you righteous or unrighteous. It's what your heart is about those things. That's right or right. A lot of people think that if you have a lot, that you're just unrighteous, and it's just not true. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say it's bad to have wealth. The Bible does not say it's bad to have, have money. Scripture says it's wrong to love money. In fact, the word teaches that God is the one who gives wealth. You know that? God is the one who gives wealth. So the truth is, if you just live according to God's principles of where you save and you invest and you give, Scripture says if you're faithful with a little, that God will give you much. So if you're a good steward, God will give you more seeds to sow and to do righteous things. 
So what you keep is all you have, but when you give, God will multiply. The second principle of sowing and reaping is you reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be conceived, deceived. Well, you have to be, you've been conceived. Do not be deceived. <laughs> See, public speakers, you're not supposed to draw attention to your mistakes. And I'm thinking, oh, just diffuse it. You know, I said, don't be conceived, but you obviously have been. Okay, you were there. I don't have to tell you the joke. Okay. <clears throat> Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And if you read on in the context, Paul goes on, he says, if you sow seeds of unrighteousness, if you do, do wicked things, then you're going to have wicked results because you reap what you sow. So if you sow a corn seed, you're not going to get spinach. You'll get corn. If you, if you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. If you smile at someone, you're probably going to get a smile back. If you offer forgiveness to someone, you're probably going to get forgiveness back. If you treat your wife with love and respect, you're going to get love and respect back. But if you give her grief, there's another principle of multiplication, which is for a different time. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. Would you forgive me? Yeah. Okay. Pastors aren't supposed to make fun of their wives. Um, and I don't. I love you like crazy. You know that, right? Yeah. Keep going. Okay. With the sermon or the I love you part? Okay. <laughs> so what you keep is all you have. When you give to God, he multiplies and you reap what you sow. The third principle of sowing and reaping is you reap more than you sow. When you plant a seed in ground, you'll reap more than you sow. Here's, here's uh, Jesus talking again in Matthew 19. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. If you lay down your life for Christ, you'll receive far more than you gave. Jesus is talking about this principle, same principle in Matthew 13. I'm not going to read it, but he's talking about the sower who goes out into this field and he's tossing his seeds out there and and uh, he talks about one place where there's a 30-fold return. 30 times. That's not 30%, but that's 30 times as much. Another one's 60-fold, another one 100-fold. You reap what you sow, and you reap more than you sow. Now, I kind of want to wrap up in um, 2 Corinthians 9, and um, we're going to talk about three quick giving truths, and we'll be done. Uh, first giving truth, I want, to re- want you to recognize that your heart matters when you give. The attitude of the heart matters. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Paul said this. He said, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. In other words, if you keep a lot and don't give much, don't expect a lot in return. That's what he's saying. You don't reap what you don't sow. He says, And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if you plant a lot of seeds, you get a better harvest. And then here's this key, I think. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful, you've heard before probably, it can be, it's more accurately translated hilarious. I heard this story this time about this woman who was trying to teach her daughter the principles of giving. So before church, she gave her a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And she said, okay, honey, um, one of them is for you and one of them is for God. And so when the offering bag comes by, give one to God and you keep the other one. And um, didn't tell her which one to do. You get to decide which one to give to God. And, of course, the mom watched the little girl wrestling with the question, and the offering goes by, and she puts the $1 bill in, and she keeps the five, right? (laughs) 
That's what I'd do. Um, and <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you should do. It's what I'm saying in this story. And afterward, the mom says, you know, I'm so glad you gave to God. I'm so proud of you. Um, tell me, how come you kept the one or kept the five and gave the one to God? And she said, well, the pastor said God loves a cheerful giver. And I just thought I'd be more cheerful if I kept the five. <laughs> And that's exactly how I felt most of my life. It is. I really felt, <laughs> I mean, I believed I'd be happier if I kept more for myself. I didn't understand the principles of giving, that what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God is able to multiply. So God started dealing with my heart. First principle is, your heart matters. Second principle is this, you cannot outgive God. Second, let's keep on going, verses 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This is kind of like the, the parable of the sower sowing the seeds. You know, And you think about, well, what seeds do I have to give? You have your time, your gifting, your heart, your words, your things, your financial resources. You know, he's given you seeds, and the Bible says, keep going, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Wow, so ch- let's check that out. So he says, when you sow generously, you will reap generously, and he will increase the store of your seed. And you'll have more seed to give, basically, and here's what he'll do. He'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, he's not only saying that there's a relationship with your finance, but he, so he's not just saying he's going to make you monetarily rich there. He's going to make you more like himself. He's going to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you're going to become more like God. That's, I think that's what he's after. He says, it's to bless you. It's to bless your home. God, bless this home. And, I, you know, I mean, I look at where Lisa and I are now in our life and, you know, where we are, and... To some degree, we're living in a season of harvest today from seeds that we planted in our 20s and our 30s. You know, and you can't outgive God. It's like compounding interest. It's, it's like compounding joy and compounding peace and compounding fulfillment and influence. Because we planted seeds before, today we are harvesting in this increase of, of righteousness in our lives. I'm not telling you we're righteous people. I'm saying this thing is playing out in our lives because of seeds we planted decades ago. So the third and final truth is this. People will thank God because of what you give. Keep going. Verse 11, it says... You will be made rich in, you could just say finances only. No, don't, don't limit the blessing of God just to money. In every way, in a good marriage, in good children, in generations to come. And, and not so that you can just you know, blow the money and sit back and take it easy and you know, be selfish. You'll be rich, made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now listen. You need to know that people around the world today thank God for your generosity. This church family. I'm going to give you some examples of that, okay? I mean, I mean, when you sow this seed, God takes the seed and will give us more seed or we can keep it. 
But if you do that, that's all you have. But if you give it back, he'll increase your harvest of righteousness, and people around the world will give thanks for your generosity. Here's, here's what you has, as a church have done in the last couple of years. We gave relief following the tsunami to people in Japan. And I know that went to people who were devastated in their lives, many of whom don't know Christ. But the the cause of Christ was made clear. You um, have participated in a church of helping people who have been flooding victims in our own counties. You have consistently given away food to many needy people, especially at Christmas time, many of whom don't speak English. And they're hungry. Why do you do this? Because we care about you. They do. And we have an interpreter here because most of the people who come don't speak English. I love that. There's no benefit to us of doing it. We do it because we care about people. And they thank the Lord. Shoebox is another example. At least 100 kids somewhere are going to go, somebody who doesn't know me cares about me. Thank you, God. Thanking the Lord for you. You, you always fill up these bottles full of change at Mother's Day, Mother's Day to Father's Day. And we take those and we support a ministry that helps mothers or mothers-to-be make good decisions and care for them and their baby. It's a big deal. Who knows how many lives you've saved? I love that. You don't know this. Some of these you may not know about, but do you realize that you have helped with a ministry outreach to women with AIDS in South Africa? You don't know that. We support a ministry here that um, women with AIDS who have the outcasts of their society have no way to pay for their... We help them. We help them. You help... Here's another one that you don't know about. About a year and a half ago, um, there was a pastor of a four-square church up in Coopville, which is on Whidbey Island. And he was helping a, a neighbor mow his lawn, and he fell. And when he fell, some stuff snapped back here that doesn't not need to be snapped. He's paralyzed. Pastor of a small church with very limited resource. And... You don't know this, but you have helped them financially. We sent money to them, monthly money. Your council said, we want to help this guy and this church because they don't know us, but they're, they're under a heavy weight. <clears throat> so we've been sending them some money every month to help them pay their bills. In fact, we sent them several hundred dollars at Christmas time. Buy your children some things for Christmas. And by the way, Lisa and I were at a pastor's conference the week before last. It was all of, all of Washington State. And this guy came and his wife, and um, um, he was in a wheelchair, but his heart was full of gratitude, thanking the Lord for the, the gracious gratitude, not just of us, but other churches that have said, hey, let's just help this family out. You don't know you're doing those kinds of things. VBS is free. We intentionally make VBS free to minister to kids in our community because we don't want their money. We want to give them an opportunity to hear the good news and to be loved and cared for. People around the world will give thanks to God because of your generosity. How many lives? I don't know. Thousands. Thousands. I'm not pumping that number. Literally thousands. And I think even as we are sitting here today, there are people, they may not be thanking at this moment, but they have and they will thank because of the Lord, the Lord because of your generosity. So, So these two messages I've talked about money. Where are they hitting Terry personally? I'm not preaching this because the church has financial problems. We are very, very healthy. We've been doing this expansion. We've been paying cash. Our bills are paid. This that has nothing to do with, I'm not doing this to, to generate funds. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it because it's the word of God and because it generates blessing in your lives. It's part of what, it's part of what a well-rounded Christian understands and embraces. But 
you know, even though we've been givers for a long time, the Lord's speaking to us. Okay, you can same old thing, Terry, or something different. And we're asking the exact same questions that I'm asking you to take to the Lord. Lord, what are you saying to me through this series? What are you asking me to do with this, Lord? We're talking, we talked about it some more today. Special offering to help pay for the church expansion. Yeah, it's stuff. But it makes room for people, for the sharing of the gospel, for, for caring for people for a long time off into the future. A little investment today. What, what are we to do? And so we're trying to sort that out. And I can tell you my conversations have been interesting because I'll toss a number out and God will say, hmm, really? <laughs> Is there a sacrifice there? Is there, you know, I'm not telling you that's for you. I'm telling you, I think that the Lord should hold your leaders to a higher standard than he holds you to. It just makes sense. Who said amen? Okay. No, I, I really believe that. I really believe that. And I believe it has to be something that would honor the Lord, not because we flagellate ourselves with pain, but because we need to be out leading the way. And you'll never know. I'm not going to share with you the gift, but I believe that things that we loose on the earth get loose in the heavenlies. And I think that your leaders, I want you to know that your leaders take this seriously as we are asking you to take it. Because we cannot outgive God. And when we give, people will thank God for our generosity. Now, I'm going to pray in a minute, but I want to ask you one thing. Please do not hear me having told you a name it and claim it message, because that is not who we are. Okay? That's not what this, is, what this was. Please don't hear that. And if that phrase is offensive to you, forgive me. I don't mean to be. But I want to talk real directly about this topic. Okay? Because a lot of people um, need to hear it clearly. So... So here's where we are. God, whatever you've given to me, what I keep is all I have. But what I give, you can multiply for your kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, today, thank you, Lord, for um, a healthy place this church is. I just am grateful for this group of people, Lord. And I, I, just, I know that you are speaking to many people saying, well done. You've been on, on, on tack here. Way to go. Keep going. And I know that others that you, you are speaking to, this is very challenging. We look at our own resources and we, we get our eyes focused on what we can do. And that's the first problem when what you want us to do is get our eyes focused on yours and what you can do. So God, I'm thankful for a mother somewhere who packed a little boy a lunch. And I'm thankful that that little boy was willing to look in the eyes of Jesus and say, I just trust you here. And then look at the size of the miracle because he just cooperated with the big thing you were doing. He not only got fed, but so many people did. Lord, I want to pray for people in this room who might look at their circumstances and say, you know, this, there isn't anything. There is no money. There is nothing. And I just, I just pray, God, that you would say to those hearts right this moment, peace be still. This is not about you performing this is about a faith partnership, and we'll get there from here. It'll be okay. Lord, I pray now, too, that about the things we prayed about before as a church, for those whose hearts are broken, who have physical needs, financial needs, that, Lord, once again, that you would touch and you would fill this place full of faith and love. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.